This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Hey friends, welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum. Each episode, I sit down with a guest to discuss their life journey and how the grace of God has impacted them along the way. After listening to today's episode, I hope you are encouraged that God can use you right now in the midst of your day-to-day life. Yes, it requires daily surrender and trust, but we must remember His grace is enough. Today, I sit down to talk with Kim Charette about how God used her childhood brokenness and her love of horses to found Hope Reigns. We talk about God's faithfulness as she took small steps of faith, the impact Hope Reigns is having on severely wounded children, and the book Joey, which chronicles much of Hope Reigns' journey. Listen to what she has to say about a letter she received. Two gentlemen, um, Amber, that are in prison, and one of them had done a charcoal drawing of the cover of the book, and they both wrote these really long letters to, to me, really to Hope Reigns, but it was addressed to me about reading Joey and the impact of reading Joey and what that did to them. And they work in prison with this dog rescue and rehabilitation program that they have for the prisoners. And they really said, if the men in here were to have something like Hope Reigns when they were kids, we probably wouldn't be in prison. No matter where you are on your faith journey, I know that today's episode is going to encourage you to keep taking the small steps of faith God has called you to take with hopeful expectation that he will provide. Hey, Kim, welcome to the Grace Enough podcast. Will you take a moment to introduce us to you and your family and hope reigns? Absolutely. Well, good morning. Um, My name is Kim Charette, and I'm the founder and CEO of Hope Reigns, which is a nonprofit ministry here in Raleigh. Um, And I have been married to my awesome husband, Mike, for 20 years, and we have two teenagers. Um, Chance, our son, is 17, and our daughter, Isabel, is 14. Okay, so tell me, I know that your childhood story is very intertwined with the ministry of Hope Reigns. So before we get into all that Hope Reigns does and what they're about, will you share your story with us and how that led to the dream of Hope Reigns? Yes, absolutely. So mine is a story of growing up in a home. I grew up in Ohio and Oklahoma, and um, everything looked really great on the outside. My dad was very successful, a successful businessman, and um, everything looked good. But what people didn't know is that it really wasn't good on the inside. Um, My father was an alcoholic um, and was very abusive, and I never knew safety as a child in my own home. And it was really rough. The thing that people will understand who grow up, you know, with an alcoholic parent is that you hide everything, you know, and we weren't allowed to talk about it inside our home and especially outside of our home. So nobody really knew what was going on. Our siblings, none of us talked about it. Um, But I had one confidant that I shared my secrets with, and that was a horse. And it was an American saddlebred named Country, and I would go to the barn, and that's where I felt safe. And really, the only time I ever spilled my heart and my secrets um, to anything 
I really grew up being ministered by my horse, even though I didn't know the Lord at that point in my life. But he sent this animal into my life to really help me have something to be comforted by. And it really impacted me greatly. I know that you had several years where you weren't involved then with horses at all. Oh, there were a lot of years. Yeah. And so how did that come back around full circle to where you connected with a horse and then this dream is birthed? Well, again, going back to a child of an alcoholic, we all kind of, you kind of have some either pathways that everybody takes. Mine was the performance route um, because I was going to perform for my, for my dad's attention and love. And so after high school, I went to college where my dad wanted me to go and he sold my horse. And then I um, got my degree in marketing and started a really successful career in um, business and brand management and marketing. Um, Again, just really trying to be successful because that's where my self-worth was. I had no self-worth. I didn't know the Lord. And my value truly came from my performance and my job. You know, many years later, uh, when I had my son Chance, I had been searching for a really long time. I knew that this emptiness was inside of me. And so I tried to fill it with relationships and work and, you know, success, all the things that we all try to fill ourselves up with. My husband and I had moved to Raleigh. We got married. I got married in Chicago. My husband and I moved to Raleigh and really started looking at churches And that was the very first time that I had ever heard it's Jesus. You know, I had been searching and searching and searching. Maybe I had heard it before, but you know how you have to be in the right place and have the right ears and really be willing. So that was really the first time I heard about, you know, Jesus. And then after that, I was just, after accepting Christ, I was just voracious for the Lord. And I always said, I will never drive a minivan and I will never stay home with my kids. (laughs) And what did I do after I accepted Christ? Because I could look back and and see the emptiness in my life with my career. So I had this really sweet time, about seven years of staying home with my son. and, And then we had our daughter. And during that time is when God really resurrected this idea of horses. I had attended a um, women's retreat and the woman asked the question, what is something in your life that you used to love to do that you never do anymore? Because, you know, moms, we don't do anything right for ourselves. I was going to say we do lots of stuff, just not for ourselves. (laughs) Not for ourselves. We do everything for everybody else and not for ourselves. And that was when God brought this dream and this reminder to me of how much I loved horses. And so I started to ride horses again. And I kept thinking, okay, I'm going to get a horse. This is it. And I started to know like God had something for me, but I just spent probably two years just following this path of him getting me back into the horse realm, so to speak. And then I found the book written by Crystal Peaks. And that was kind of the beginning of everything. And so that book was all about a ministry. Where was that ministry located at the time? They're in Oregon. The book is called Hope Rising, and the author is Kim Meter, and it's about their ministry, Crystal Peaks, in Oregon. And they have this rescue organization, and they started rescuing these horses, and these kids started showing up. Yeah, sitting in my bed, reading this book, sobbing, and my husband is like, what's wrong? And I was like, there's this place, and you know, these kids. And yeah, and that was really the, the birth of the dream, so it was pretty cool. The first time I ever heard you speak was at my local mops group. You spoke about how God just kind of kept putting these little breadcrumbs along Mm -hmm. the way. And I loved that analogy and how you just slowly followed those. Can you speak about that a little bit? Oh, absolutely. We're still doing that today. I just feel like God can speak in a huge way. He does do that for sure. But I just know in my life, it's been these little, these little things that happen, you know, 
For example, I read the book and my husband and I took the kids on this Easter egg hunt on Bailey Baptist's property. They have this 70 acre former dairy farm. And we went there for an Easter egg hunt with our kids. I mean, they were little, they were like five and three, but that was where God wanted us to be on the property. And so he kind of planted the seed of what is this place and you know, and so it's just those kinds of little things or somebody you'll think about something or God will sort of nudge you and then you'll meet somebody that does exactly what it is that you were thinking about doing. You know, it's it's just those little connections that he makes every day and you have to be looking for them, you know, and, and you have to be seeking him and you have to listen. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we've been following the breadcrumbs now for eight years and he still does it, you know, and it's really it's really fun and amazing. Yeah, I feel like some people call those coincidences. And for me, they are their God moments. I know if I see the same thing, hear the same scripture, someone speaking the same truth to me over and over and over again, it's like God's trying to ask you, sit down, listen, I have something I want to tell you, something I want you to do, whatever that may be. Well, so Hope Reigns is all about partnering horses with children. Those are abused horses with oftentimes abused children in some way or just children who have been hurt. Yes. Well, before we get to what does a session look like, tell us a story about how you acquired the land for this ranch. So let me explain. So I talked about the Easter egg hunt and the first property, and this is back in 2009. And if everybody remembers, we were in a recession at that period. and. All I ever heard from people is, you'll never find land, you'll never find land, you'll never find land. And the very first thing God did was give us this land, this 70-acre property. We leased 20 acres for a dollar a month. And I don't know if everybody, if people listening are in, live in Raleigh, but where this location was, was in this really prime area that so many people drive by in North Raleigh. And so many people kept saying, well, we saw your sign, we saw your sign. So we had this five years on this beautiful property to really get our foundation up and running, really primarily with all volunteers. And so we had really built this great foundation. And then we could not expand, we could not grow. And the church was starting to talk about wanting to build on the property. And so we kind of got the message that we needed to find our own place. And I was looking for land, because I don't know about you, but I know what's best. And (laughs) I don't, you know, a lot of times I don't wait for God, I've learned a lot more, right? to not even step out, to just wait on him. But I had in my head land. And um, so we started to look around at different properties and things that were available. And we happened upon one day, my partner in crime, Barbara Fulkrod, who's our vice president, uh, this property that was a former cattle farm off Highway 98. And it has a 3,000 square foot log cabin from British Columbia on it and 33 acres. And the guy that owned it had cattle out there and he had passed away. At first, when I saw it, I didn't like it because if you could see where we came from, we had a 12 by 12 shed with one light bulb, an outdoor arena and a porta potty. And this place, <laughs> this log cabin, it's it's a multi-million dollar log cabin. I mean, it is was wow. custom built in British Columbia and shipped over here. And it's just a stunning property. And at first, I just didn't like it because I just thought, oh, my gosh, going from that to that. Anyway, the, the long story short is we put in an offer. We really prayed about it. God kept opening doors. He kept making connections for us. And it was really clear that he wanted us to have this property. But it was on the market for $4 million. And we had no money. You know, we were a little $300,000 ministry with like two employees. So we ended up really praying about 
about it. We put an offer in for a million dollars and we asked for six months of due diligence because we didn't know how we were going to raise the money. So we needed time to be able to work with our donor base and kind of figure out how we were going to do that. And they accepted our offer in 24 hours. I think they really wanted, you know, their father had died and I think they really wanted to, um, you know, settle his estate. Two hours after they accepted our offer, a friend of ours had had a meeting set up for us with the United States Department of Agriculture. They have a rural development department, and they kept sa- he kept saying, well, they do grants and stuff, so you just need to meet with them. So weeks in advance of this, you know, us putting the offer in and them accepting, we had already had this on the calendar. So they call and accept our offer, and two hours later, this lady shows up at our old property because we we were going to give her a tour of what we do, and she gets out of her car, and she looks at me, and she goes, well, my youngest is autistic, and I foster kids, and he's in a therapeutic riding program, so I totally get horses in healing, and we're like, of course you do, because again, this is kind of what God kept doing, and she had a team of people, and we gave them a tour, and then we met the real estate agent over at this property that we had just accepted the offer on, who thought we were crazy. (laughs) Uh, he, He was, yeah, thought we were crazy. She was, they were all excited about this property because they're the rural development department and their goal and their purpose in life is to keep property like this rural and they don't want it to become a hair speeder or a housing development. We didn't understand or know any of this. We were totally blind going into this. So they're walking all around and they're all excited about, oh, you could do a garden here and this and that. And about 30 minutes in, I start freaking out. I was like, oh my gosh, we just said yes to a million dollar loan. And I look at this lady and I was like, we need money. And she goes, oh, that's a done deal. And I was like, well, what are you talking about? And she said, well, we're going to loan you the million dollars for 40 years at 3.5%. Oh, so like my literally goodness. on the spot, it turns out she manages half a billion dollars in assets for the United States Department of Agriculture. So we ended up raising about $400,000 in cash to build everything that we needed, you know, to bring the horses over. But it was like literally within three hours you know, we had property, we had the money, we had the loan. It was, it was just really incredible. You make it up. Like right. you just make it up. So we have this big sign in our front yard. It's, um, and I'm so bad about remembering. It's one of the Psalms that says the Lord has done this and it's marvelous in our eyes Wow! because we just give him all the glory because you just can't make this stuff up. Maybe our listeners feel like, oh, you know, God provides that way for some people, but not for everybody. And so I want everyone to know that Hope Reigns hasn't always been this thriving, financially, you know, secure ministry that everybody's just raving over. But it really has been, like you said, following the breadcrumbs and watching God provide. And so, like how... we have so many lean years. And I mean, we still need God to provide. Just because we're bigger doesn't mean that it's any easier. You know, it just means that you... The stakes are higher. We have more employees. We have more kids. We have more horses. But no, God God shows up for all of us. Yeah, and we have to start somewhere. I mean, I feel Absolutely. like the theme of this podcast of so many people I've interviewed has been just take the next step. Yes. Just take the next step. How do you acquire or purchase these abused horses? So in the beginning, we adopted horses from various rescue organizations. Um, it takes a lot of work to rescue and re- rehabilitate a horse. And you also don't really know, um, once they get rehabilitated, their personality really starts to show. And so, you know, you never really know what you're going to get. So we really adopted in the early years. And now we kind of have our own network of people. For example, our farrier rescued um, a micro miniature, which I don't know if people know that there is such a thing as a micro miniature. I don't. 
Yeah. And um, her name is Twinkle and she's 110 pounds and she's a little micro mini paint. She's like um, this beautiful russet red color and white. And she is the most precious little thing. But Lisa rescued her from a junkyard with she and her mom and another horse. And and Twinkle was four. We've had her for a year. So she's five now. And she had um, never had her hooves trimmed. And they were living in a junkyard with no food or water. So her hooves had grown like elf shoes and her legs were bowed. And I mean, they were almost dead. They were so starved. Um, so Lisa brought us Twinkle and, and with her help, we rehabilitated her and she's just a special little girl. So now we kind of either do our own rehabilitation or sometimes we will acquire a horse from an owner that has done the rescue. It just depends. You know, it takes the, it takes a really the right horse to be able to do what we do. And, um, it's not for every horse for sure. Well, on the flip side of that, you work with children. Like, who do you go through to partner the horse with the children? How do you kind of match those two up? So, yeah, we pair kids that are going through trauma and life crisis with our rescued horses. And what they receive, our main service, is this free of charge 90-minute session where a child is paired with a trained leader and one of our rescued horses. That's really the day in and day out what we do. First, on how we find our kids. Word of mouth has been really our biggest source. And we have doctors now, even though we're not therapists and we don't have any therapists on our staff, we have doctors referring kids in. We had a doctor, a pediatrician that referred a child all the way from Virginia that is still coming 200 miles on a, a bi weekly basis. Yeah, to come up for sessions, or I'm sorry, bi monthly basis. And then what we do when kids first come out to the ranch for the very first time is we actually take them on a tour. And we want them to feel really comfortable about the environment and where they are. And so we will walk around and introduce them to every single one of the horses. And inevitably, their story connects with one of the horses. Uh, because we don't look at these kids and say, well, I'm really sorry you were sexually abused. Or I'm really sorry that you know your dad committed suicide. We share the story of the horse and, and what they've gone through. And that really helps them open up. Uh, because it's so much easier to transfer your own story you know, on the horse. The little girl that comes from Virginia is one that was sexually abused, starved, and watched her grandmother murder her infant brother, like right before her eyes. And she was five years old at the time, you guys. So these are not kids that are having a little bit of a hard time. I mean, the, these are stories of very, very intense um, trauma uh, that these and crises that these kids are going through. And this little girl really bonded with one of our rescued horses named Mercy, who had been starved and abandoned and really left for um, taken to a slaughter facility um, and was rescued literally with one minute left on the auction by a lady here in Raleigh. And this little girl, when she heard Mercy's story, ran over and, and just gave and Mercy was a draft horse. Um, she has since passed away. Um, she had a lot of health issues that we were not able to overcome due to her starvation and her abuse. But she ran over and, and Mercy was a Belgian draft, like 2,500 pound horse. And so here's this five-year-old little girl running over and hugging Mercy, who she barely you know, can reach her head above her leg. And she, after she heard her story and just said, well, Mercy, you're going to be okay because mm -hmm. you're with a family that loves you now, just like me, you know, oh, and wow. she wasn't talking about Mercy, right? Yeah. She was talking 
about herself. And, and that's what we find with these kids is they will repeat the story of the horse, but they're really talking about their story. Oh, wow. And for her, it was really the very first time she had ever talked about what she had been through. And then this is the kind of stuff that happens is mercy. We ended up having to put her down because of the years and years and years of abuse and things that had happened to her, her feet were just, she just literally couldn't stand anymore. And so we had to put her down and we thought, well, when this little girl comes out, what are we going to tell her? I mean, here she's been through all of this trauma, all this loss, all this abandonment, you know, literally watching your, your baby brother get murdered. We didn't know, God, what are you doing? What, what happened? And of course, you know, it's where you have to just trust God in everything because she ended up coming out for her session. And we told her about mercy passing away and she started talking about her baby brother and she'd been in therapy and she had never, ever, ever talked about oh, wow. what she had. Missed. And so God used this moment this loss of this horse to actually have her start talking about what she went through, you know, something she had never spoken about. And so that's the kind of stuff that again, we can't make happen that we're really there to facilitate mm -hmm. spirit coming and working. And, you know, God has a plan for every single one of these kids and we just get the privilege of, you know, watching it unfold. That's incredible. When she is in a session, what does that session look like? I mean, you said that she just interacts with her, but I know you guys do brushing and, and what, yeah, do. what yeah. kind of gets her talking? What actions is she yeah. doing with Mercy? Yeah, well, with all of our kids, we start with a barn chore first because, you know, we want them to know, gosh, it's a lot of work to take yep. care of these yep. animals. But it's a side-by-side -side interaction. Like, we aren't sitting there staring at them, right? We're walking and talking and working and, and having conversation. And then, you know, usually they will have their horse that they want to work with or we've really prayed about it and thought, okay, this would be a really, you know, great connection. Um, and depending on the horse, some of our horses are not rideable. Some of them are. Mm -hmm. um, we will, you know, brush the horses, groom the horses, paint the horses, really just even getting them out and doing groundwork. Um, we do something called natural horsemanship with our horses, which is really about relational connection. Like our horses aren't there to perform or do anything, you know, really athletic. They're there to have relationship with these kids. And so we have really trained them on the ground how to play these games and do these things so that the kids can establish leadership and they can understand how to communicate with the horse in a language that they speak in the herd. Um, and so during all of that, there's just naturally and inevitably just these moments and things that happen um, that we're able to talk through with them. Like, what do you think your horse is feeling right now? You know, and a lot of times they'll talk about how they're feeling or, um, you know, getting a horse to connect and be able to lead you know, if you've got this five-year-old little girl that's leading a 2,000-pound horse, that's really building their confidence and, you know, their trust and their leader and the animal. And so there's just all these different ways that they connect. And then riding is sort of the cherry on the top. You know, we build the relationship first, and then they get to ride. And that's really, you know, a really awesome experience. Well, and I feel like you've already kind of talked about this, but something I do love about Hope Reigns is their core values. I know even listening to you talk how those are played out on a day-to-day -day basis, and I just want to share those. Jesus heals. Grace is our default. Be authentic. Share your story. Make it better. And as I think through those things, I know part of it is sharing the horse's story but is this the way that you train your volunteers? Are these five things the way that the volunteers are trained to really interact with the kids with an authentic 
relationship with them being honest about what's happened in their lives? Like, how does that play out on a day-to-day basis? So our core values, you know, we really run Hope Reigns like a business and they're not these five statements that sit on the wall. They're actually something that we really hire and fire by we, and exactly like you said, the community that the Lord has created out at Hope Reigns is really incredible. It's sort of the the one thing that we really didn't realize was going to happen. And our core values really came from a consulting session that we had about why did I start Hope Reigns and what really makes me angry. And it really goes back to my childhood about, you know, never being able to talk about what was going on, never being able to share my story, never being able to be real and authentic. And I didn't have the Lord, you know, in my life and my family didn't. Yeah, all of those core values are really what we live out on a daily basis. And it's what our community, I think, if you ask our volunteers and our donors and our community, it's what they really love about what we do. I think, I I don't think, I know that when I share my story or when a session leader shares their story, it creates this open space for people to feel like, wow, I can really share my story too. You know, if they're going to really be that vulnerable and that real, because life is not pretty, you know, and we don't ever pretend to have it all together. We don't ever pretend to be this this big, amazing thing. We just really try to, to stay humble and open and let the Lord work. Um, but we know that when we share our story, it invites people in um, to be authentic and share their story too and feel safe. You know, that's the one thing our, our families have said so many times, our parents, is that, you know, when your child is suicidal, people don't know what to say. You know, people are well-meaning, but they don't know what to say, you know, and they say things like, well, why isn't that fixed yet? why haven't you fixed that problem? You know, because I think they're uncomfortable and they don't know what else to say, you know? And so a lot of times our families show up and they feel so shut down themselves, just the parents, because they don't have anybody to talk to about what they've been through. And not only do we have these session leaders, but we have these listeners that sit with our families so that they can actually be ministered to as well. And our our parents and caregivers and foster families would tell you they don't know what they would do without Hope Brains and our listeners. So. so you have the session leaders that I know walk with the horses and the kids, and then there's a yeah. different volunteer that's staying with the families to just interact with them in whatever way is needed, or is there kind of a set thing that they go through? Well, it, it's really whatever the, the caregiver needs. I mean, when the family arrives, a lot of times it could be all of the family's kids are in sessions because maybe the father died or the father committed suicide or, you know, something. So it impacts the whole family. And then sometimes it's just one child. Maybe one of the kids was sexually abused by a neighbor and the other kids are fine. And so depending on what the family needs, the child that's in sessions always goes off with their leader. And if needed, we have play pals that will take the other siblings because we want mom, dad, caregiver to be able to have their own space and time. Um, If you come out to our ranch, it's just this 33 acre, beautiful, peaceful place. We've got two stock fishing ponds. I mean, it's just people tell us when you drive onto the property, the Lord's spirit is there. And so it's really peaceful. And so we have all these Adirondack chairs around and, you know, a parent will end up sitting with a listener that is assigned to them. And we try to pair the same child with the same session leader and the same listener so that they're really ministering as a unit. 
And that's their time. That's their time to talk. It's their time to share. It's their time to cry. I mean, whatever it is that they want to do. Some parents, not very often, but some parents don't want a listener. They want to just sit and they, they just don't want to talk to anybody, you know? So we just allow them to have whatever they need at that moment. It's really been a, a beautiful part of our ministry. Well, I just finished reading the new book that's been released about really the foundations and just the start of Hope Reigns, and it's titled Joey. It was a wonderful book. The author is Jennifer. Is it Bleakley? It's Blakely. Blakely. Yeah. Okay. It looks like it's looks like Bleakley, but it's Blakely. And she was a volunteer at Hope Reigns as well. How has that book, I mean, I would highly recommend it to people. It's just a beautiful story of God's grace and faith and you guys stepping out and just fully trusting God. But how um, has that book impacted Hope Reigns? I know you had such a close relationship with Joey the horse. Tell us a little bit about that. Um, well, the book is really, like you said, it's about how we got started and the early days of Hope Reigns. And Joey was one of our very first horses. We actually adopted him from a rescue league in Virginia. And he was this um, really big Appaloosa. Um, and he was white with these big black polka dots. And um, in his prime, he was uh, going to the Olympics. He was like, he was like an alternate for the Olympics in dressage. And so he was a really athletic, gorgeous horse. And what oftentimes happens with these horses is like Joey got ended up getting injured. And then his owner sold him and he got sold and sold and sold. And he ended up in the hands of, of a hoarder um, who ended up having all these horses that he didn't feed and uh, just left them and left them all for dead. And Joey was discovered and by the neighbor and um, was blinded uh, from that starvation incident. She thought that he was actually dead. We got a phone call. This is in our very first probably six months um, because we had worked with this rescue league network and they had heard about what we were doing and nobody wanted a blind horse. What do you do with a blind horse? You know, and they called us and we have never done this before other than with Sela, who's one of our current horses. We took him sight unseen uh, because what happened is that he was being fostered by a family that had a little girl and she was riding him. Oh, so, so here's this little girl who was riding this blind horse. And anyway, we went up and met him in Virginia and uh, it was just a really holy moment for sure. And we brought him back and he just impacted so many people's lives. And what ended up, what really happened is that Jen came on a tour. One of our board members had invited her. Um, they knew each other from school. And as I was giving the tour and sharing Joey's story, right when I said he was blind, Jen shares that she literally had put her hand out to, to touch his nose. And it, she just, it, she said it was just this God moment, you know, and mm. she couldn't get it out of her head. Well, over four years, the story came out and she had never written a book before. And Tyndale Publishing picked it up, who does not work with unknown authors. It's just one of those impossible stories. It shouldn't even be on shelves, right? right? It should not even be out there. Um, one of the top publishing company, Christian publishing companies. And it's actually been optioned uh, for a movie. I heard uh, that. It's exciting. And it's sold it's close to 60,000 copies in six months. And so it's really, really impacting people. And we are getting letters and phone calls from people all over the country um, that have read it. And in fact, yesterday I was so, I, this was really my first full day back at work yesterday after the holidays. And I had this big envelope, this big, it was probably like 11 or 14 by 17 envelope that was cardboard and said, do not bend. And so I opened it up and it was from these two gentlemen 
um, Amber that are in prison. And one of them had done a charcoal drawing of the cover oh. of the book. And they both wrote these really long letters to, to me, really to Hope Rains, but it was addressed to me about reading Joey and the impact of reading Joey and what that did to them. And they work in prison with this dog rescue and rehabilitation program that they have for the prisoners. And they really said, if the men in here were to have something like Hope Rains when they were kids, we probably wouldn't be in prison. Wow. And it, it just really, it, what a way to start the year, Lord. It really, yeah blew us all away, the whole staff. We just really couldn't believe it. But the really amazing thing is that as we have grown as an organization, um, we are starting to incorporate something called trauma-informed care um, into what we do. And trauma-informed care is this, it's basically a 30-year Harvard study that was done on kids and trauma and how as adults, if we don't deal with our trauma and we stuff it down, you have all these health crises later in life. Right. I mean, yeah. this is where we get diabetes and yeah. cancer and high blood pressure and depression and all of these things. And so um, Harvard did this study where um, they have discovered that if a child in crisis has one safe adult relationship, that can turn things around for them. Like it can provide resiliency in their trauma. And so here, you know, a lot of people will say, Oh, do you have, are you therapists? And we're like, no, we have the Holy spirit. And they're kind of like, what? But now we have this 30 year Harvard study right. that is backing up what we do every single day. This, you know, one safe relationship with a child and a horse and how that is just really helping these kids really change the trajectory of their lives. Um, it's really humbling, but really awesome that we now have this, you know, secular study that's pointing to what we do. And they actually said in the Harvard study that when you combine faith and hope to it, it's like astronomical what can happen. So it's just been a really, again, this is all breadcrumbs. Like it's taken eight years of us doing this. And then all of a sudden we discover this study and we're like, well, okay, Lord, like we knew it worked, but you know, here the world's telling us it works. Exactly. So. Cool. Sorry, I got off on that diet side. We were talking about Joey's. So, oh, no, yeah. that's awesome. Though. But what I want to ask you is, what does it feel like? We're going into this new year and we all tend to reflect. And I listen to you talking of such passion. And I mean, I've had chill bumps all over my body several times because you can tell it's just God at work. But what does it feel like to just look back over the last eight years from the beginning and see what all has happened. I mean, what are some of those thoughts that just come into your mind really quickly? Wow. Well, last year in October, we surpassed um, the 10,000 mark of sessions. So we have done 10,000 sessions in eight years. And it's interesting. We were having lunch with the staff yesterday and it's so humbling and so overwhelming. And um, I shared with them yesterday and there is really not a day that goes by that I don't drive through our gates and just have such gratefulness and thankfulness and this overwhelming feeling of puniness and humility because it is such a privilege to be a part of what we're doing and to have the Lord use my life and my mistakes and just all my past and, and then my gifts and, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly um, to further his kingdom. It's just a really, really big privilege. 
you all have so many volunteers that come in to Hope Reigns. I mean, it really can't work without volunteers. No, Same yeah. thing with free services that are offered there. Who are some of the volunteers? What are some of the free services that are offered? What are things that you need at Hope Reigns to continue God's work in these children's lives? Um, well, we have 220 active volunteers. So that's not all of our volunteers, but those are the people that have chosen to go through training and they're on a team. Um, yeah. And that looks like many different things, but the big bulk of our volunteer base are people, especially women, who had a horsey dream as a child, or maybe they had a horse, or they took riding lessons, and then they grew up, right? And we have to we have to get rid, we have to, you know, grow up and not have that horsey dream anymore. And they're able to come back to us and really resurrect that dream. And it's it's really beautiful. And and inevitably they have a story of pain and overcoming, you know, something. And, you know, our vision is true hope and real healing for every child. And um, what we've realized is that we're all a session kid. I'm a session kid. Our volunteers are a session kid. Like we all are there for our own healing. You know, the Lord doesn't just bring you to something and say, help this person, right? It's, you have your own journey of healing as you're helping, you know, these kids and other people. And, um, our services look like we have our, our 90 minute free sessions and that's really all of our services are free, but the 90 minute sessions is really where we start with our kids. Cause they're in crisis. They're so shut down. Um, and we actually have a, a pathway, um, a program pathway that takes them from one-on-one and then they start to do some group sessions. Um, because when they first come, they're so shut down, they can't even really talk about what they're going through. Um, and once they start experiencing some trust and some healing and, and those types of things, then we can move them in with kids that are experienced the same type of issues because the biggest thing the enemy does, or one of the biggest things is he lies. And he says, nobody understands, nobody else is going through what you've gone through. And so for kids who are all depressed and suicidal to be together and be able to look at each other and go, Oh, you feel the same way. I'm not alone or all kids whose parents have died or whatever there or all kids who have been sexually abused, whatever their issues are. It's the being authentic, sharing your story. It's again, it's pulling all that out because um, it helps to be able to walk with somebody that's been through what you've been through. And so we have group sessions, we have mentorship, Um, And then we also have uh, a new program that we started last year called Kids Give Back because our kids don't want to leave. You know, when they're gone through the process and and they don't need to be in sessions anymore, they don't want to leave because Hope Reigns is their place. And so we have this volunteer and leadership program that we've created um, where the kids actually are feeders and they're helping out at barn chores and they're leading camp and, you know, doing all those sorts of things. So it's really been a a neat program to start and see these kids really um, owning being a part of Hope Reigns, which is really awesome. Yeah, it really comes full circle. It really does come full circle. Yeah, it sure does. And then it's the same thing with our donors. You know, I don't, again, I don't sit down and and just ask people for money. Um, That's a big part of my job is making sure that um, Hope Reigns has funds, but it's building that relationship. Like Mm -hmm. even with our donors, I mean, we want to hear why did you write that check? You know, and inevitably it's because they had something in their past, right? It, it's never just about the horses or the kids. It's, they have a connection and my job is to discover that connection and really it, make them feel engaged and like they're a part of what we're doing, you know, because we can't, we wouldn't survive without our donors, right? Because again, we don't, God's sense of humor, we've never taken government funding and we always said we would never take government funding 
and who does he bring but the United <laughs> States Department of Agriculture, you know, to, to do our loan. But that was without any any handcuffs or anything. But yeah, it's just it's really fun to be able to find people's discover their connection and what really um, resonates with them about our cause. Well, and then there are so many volunteers who just come in. Um, I know I have friends that come in on Saturdays to do barn chores. So what are some of those things if there are people in the Raleigh area that just want to come and check out Hope Reigns? How can they serve your ministry? Yeah, yeah, that's really um, great. Um, We are open to the public on Saturdays from um, 830 to 11 uh, for our barn chores. And, And that's where people can come out and they can bring their kids. You know, there's not many places says that you can bring your whole family to come and volunteer, um, but you can come and volunteer. We also offer a tour during barn tours and you can hear more about the volunteer opportunities. Um, but the one thing I would just really tell people is don't let the horses trip you up because mm-hmm. if you have a heart for hurting people, hurting kids, you know, I mean, one of God's commandments to us as believers is to um, help the widowed and the orphaned and the hurting, you know, and so that's really what we're doing. The horses are a tool that we use to make that happen. Um, and there are a ton of volunteer opportunities that don't have anything to do with horses. Um, so I really want to encourage people that there's a lot um, that you can be involved with. Um, and it's a super close knit community. We do everything in teams. So people will really build some great um, friendships and, and great relationships. So yeah, I definitely encourage you or check out our website you know, there's all sorts of people that you can talk to and get connected with on our staff. Well, and anybody that's listening, if you enjoy reading at all, I would encourage you to check out Joey because it walks through a couple of stories, one of a volunteer of Kim, of course, and then also a particular little girl and how they connected to this story. And it's like this parallel of these three women walking this, well, I shouldn't just say three women, I should say three women and a horse and how really everybody ends up being so intertwined all because of, you know, rehabilitating this horse and ministering to this little girl. And it's just a beautiful story of the grace of God. I know I already said that, but it's just a wonderful, wonderful book. And I would love to see it come to a movie. I mean, what? It'll be really fun. Yeah. And Allie, who is kind of one of the main kids in the book, um, was mute, you know, from abuse and, and really found her voice working with this blind horse. So it's just really, yeah, it's really a beautiful, incredible story. Do you all still have a relationship with her? Oh, she's one She's um, one of our volunteers. Yeah. Oh, she still comes out to the ranch. Um, she feeds. She and her mom are on our feeding team. And yeah, she's still involved uh, with Hope Rain. She's doing really, really well. She's actually part of Toastmasters, if you know what that is. I do. For public speaking. And it's just really, really, she's an incredible, incredible young lady. She's 14 now. That is so awesome. Oh, it's so great to just see things come full circle. Well, as we close out the episode today, I usually ask people a couple of questions. Tell me where or when there's been an area or just a specific circumstance in your life where you feel like you have had to really rely on the grace of God. I mean, we always have to rely on it, but, you know, we have those moments where it seems like we can't even put one foot in front of the other without his grace. Oh my gosh. Okay. Well, uh, do we have another two hours? Because gosh, I mean, I just think um, that just that really every day in, in doing what we do, um, you know, this, and, and this year we had to raise, you know, $1.1 million, you know, to run our organization. And, Um, It can be very overwhelming 
And, um, you know, I would say the thing I'm the most proud and excited about is this year, um, I, I feel like I went through the year with less anxiety and less fear than I ever have in the past, you know, and I'm really trusting the Lord that he's going to provide. And he did. And he provided not only what we needed, but he exceeded, you know, what we needed. But I'm, again, I go back to really staying at a posture of, of waiting and trusting and not letting myself be anxious because I grew up being the anxious kid and, you know, my whole life I've just lived, you know, anxious. And so it was really sweet to feel like I had that peace really over the last year. And isn't that what God does? He puts us in situations where you have to practice what you're worse at. Worst at. You know, like if you're anxious, then you're probably going to be in a situation as an adult where you have yes. to continuously go to him. Yeah. To relieve you of that anxiety. And it's so cool to watch how God is faithful. I feel like that's a way, you know, when I get anxious, I can look back and say, God, you were faithful. You provided here, 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 and here, and you're going to do it again. And I know um, you can say that about hope reigns. Oh my gosh. It's just all we have to do is look back and remember what the Lord has done. You know, and that's why it's in scripture. You, we have to remember what he's done because we have to remember that he's faithful today too, and he'll be faithful in the future. That's right. Well, thank you so much for being here today, Kim. I really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. This was really fun and, and we really appreciate it. And if you're interested, Hope Reigns is H-O-P-E-R-E-I-N-S dot O-R-G. Um, you can check us out on the web or again, um, Joey is available on Amazon everywhere. Local bookstores, the airport is the number one purchaser of Joey. Isn't that random? But yeah. I know, and I purchased it at my children's book fair here in yeah. Raleigh. So it was awesome. And I will post all of these links, a link to Joey on the website as well, so that they will be available to our listeners. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Be sure to check out the show notes for links and resources at graceenoughpodcast.com. Next Tuesday, we will have Shannon Martin, the author of Ministry of Ordinary Places on Tuesday, and Christina Patterson, the founder of Beloved Women on Thursday. Be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Google Play and subscribe. Clicking that subscribe button helps to make sure you never miss a new episode of the Grace Enough Podcast. If you share the show on social media, be sure to use the hashtag Grace Enough Podcast or tag me at Grace Enough Podcast underscore Amber on Instagram and Facebook. Thank you for listening to the Grace Enough Podcast. Tune in next time. This episode was brought to you in part by the Areopagus Podcast. Two clergy of different traditions, Father Andrew Stephen Damick and Michael Landsman discuss encounters of historic Christianity with other religious traditions. How do we engage with those who believe differently? Listen wherever you get your podcasts.